ho, ho, hello, and welcome back to Bah Humbug, the Christmas movie podcast that believes that elves at this time of year should be doing one of two things. They should either be A, making toys, or B, helping ring bearers. They should not be hanging around in agricultural outbuildings and killing people. Hey, it's a controversial position, but that's where I stand. Hello, everybody. I'm Helen O'Hara, and I am once again your host for another episode of Bah Humbug, looking at the very best Christmas movies of the year. And today we are going to be talking about There's Something in the Barn, a Christmas movie inspired by old Norwegian legends about barn elves. Not to be confused with barn owls, which are a lot cuddlier and nicer. And joining me to talk about it today, I'm delighted to have with me Tom Beasley, who is a fantastic film journalist. He's worked for the likes of Digital Fix, Yahoo, I, I don't even know who else. Everywhere You've got your own podcast all about Waterloo Road, which is an incredible achievement. Please welcome Tom. How are you doing? Hello, not too bad. Oh, I'm glad to get the Waterloo Road podcast in there for a shout out. <laughs> Maybe the three people who are listening to this who have also seen Waterloo Road might come over. I, I just, how many episodes have you have you covered now of that show? I I think I uploaded the one hundred and seventy something episode of wow. the of the old show, and then there's been like fifteen episodes of the new version of it. Oh wow! So we're we're well over two hundred episodes, I think. <laughs> this is coming up on sort of supernatural territory. This is that is that is a <laughs> yeah. huge commitment, and it has wow. the the same cultural impact. <laughs> Hey, that's offensive. <laughs> to one of those shows. To one of them. <laughs> you decide which. Yeah, yeah, that's probably not unfair. But look, before Tom and I start to talk about uh, There's Something in the Barn, I was very lucky recently to talk to the director of the film, Magnus Martens, who was able to fill me in on the very real legend behind this film. It is not just made up for Hollywood. This is a real legend that people believe in in Norway they will put out food for the barn elves every Christmas so here's Magnus enjoy so welcome to Bar Hamburg Magnus Martins how how are you doing how are you feeling I'm I'm good thank you uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas we have a, a new movie out and that's very very exciting so I've I feel good very happy awesome and this is this is obviously there's something in the barn. I have already seen it on the big screen, thankfully. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm planning to watch it again <laughs> online very soon. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a little bit unexpected. So tell me, I guess first of all, the premise of the movie is obviously an American family encounters a Norwegian barn elf. What what can you tell me about these legends? Is is this something that is a generally you know discussed thing in Norway? Oh, uh, the barn elves! Absolutely, this goes, uh, you know, a you know, long way back. This is part of our uh, Christmas tradition uh, and tradition generally that there are elves in the barn. And and the thing, obviously, is that the barn elf themselves they they are not humans; they are creatures, and they can be very helpful, um, you know, helping the humans um, at the farm. Um, but they also have certain rules that. <laughs> Because they're very, very old-fashioned, obviously, you know, traditional and old-fashioned. They don't like changes to the farm or, you know, anything like that. So they, they, they tend to be a bit grumpy as well, just like Norwegians generally. We are a bit grumpy. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so if he gets annoyed, then he can start doing pranks and, and things like that just to, you know, 
you know, smaller revenge, basically. So we took it, you know, another level uh, to see, okay, you know, okay, he's grumpy. What if he gets really, really angry? And we, you know, come up with some even more specific rules that um, are being broken. Uh, what will happen then? But, you know, we have a lot of Christmas songs about the barn elves um, and, you know, polls, cards and, and illustrations and everything. So it sits very, very deep with us. Um, but I, there was never a movie about it. So we felt like this is really low hanging fruit. Why has nobody made a film about, you know, barn elf before? Um, because it just feels like, okay, th- th- we can have so much fun with it. And everybody, at least in Norway, we know what it is. So, so that was sort of the starting point for the for the whole film. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I, I feel like in recent years the kind of Christmas horror, I guess, has has really stepped up a gear. I mean, it, you know, obviously there 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 have been a few in the past. Yes. There have been yeah. um, some some great <clears throat> ones, but it but it feels like you know with I don't know going back to rare exports. I guess that's more more than ten years ago now. But recently, there's been an absolute explosion. Every year seems to have three or four really interesting Christmas horror ideas. Um, but yeah, this one, this one, I just, I'd never come across the premise before. So it was, uh, No, fun. but I think also, I think also there is something about, you know, Scandinavian mythology that I, I feel like reads, you know, very well abroad. Mm. We had the trolls, for instance, that, you know, the trolls did, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, there might be sort of like an interest also for uh, automatically interest for uh, Scandinavian mythology and, and creatures. And to be honest, you know, elves themselves, they, you know, they, lots of different countries have their own version of uh, elves, obviously. But there is something very Christmassy about, you know, uh, you know, a small guy with a, you know, red pointy hat and a beard, looks a little bit like Santa Claus, but uh, not quite. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not Very quite. much not quite in this film. And and also, of course, I mean, you know, in terms of um, an interesting setting for a Christmas movie, we actually don't get that many in this country that were set in Scandinavia at all. But it's the most Christmassy looking place to us. <laughs> I mean, this is where kind of all our visions of Christmas come from. And we have to pretend like it snows in London for all our native films, which is just not the case. It is true. It is true. I mean, I have to say, though, that when we were filming, because uh, uh, we went to Norway, obviously, for all the exteriors, uh, but when we came there, there was no snow. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't know what to do. I mean, it, it was the whole point. You know, with Christmas, we were lots of snow. I mean, you know, we're going to this beautiful place and, you know, and there's no snow. And we talk to people uh, and they always say that, okay, normally there will be snow, but um, there's nothing like normal anymore that's the thing uh, so we had we had actually we actually had to drive a lot of you know truckloads of snow from the mountains oh, wow. and um, to this valley and this you know this little uh, street and, and the farm but eventually the snow came uh, so it was super cool it was minus 25 degrees Whoa. Uh, every day we were filming so that's uh, i think i think it's possible to see on screen mm. that it's super cold but uh, yes i mean I, I i also feel like you know christmas in many ways are very very scandinavian i mean also you know norway and finland we are arguing about where does santa claus really live and the Finns, you know they they claim he lives in finland we claim he lives in norway he might be living on the north pole we don't know uh, <laughs> So, so, and obviously, you know, Christmas movies, they should have snow and, and you know, that winter feel for sure. 
I think we, you know, I, I, it feels like we were able to achieve that in, yeah. uh, in many ways. I feel like, you know, uh, and it, it, it absolutely does help a lot, especially when you're dealing with, you know, a, a horror. I mean, this is horror comedy, but, you know, have a horror elements and then have this beautiful landscape mm. um, on top of that. I think it's a nice contrast. And, you know, blood always looks very good on white snow. Very good, absolutely. I, yeah, I was on yeah. set of a film called Thirty Days of Night, which was a vampire movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And just it was spectacular looking. You know, it was so much fun to uh, to see that. So, um, but yeah, I, what what's it like then filming in minus what was that minus twenty five degrees? I mean, I, I guess you know, Norwegian crews are maybe more used to it than again a, a British crew might be, but that's got to be tough. I mean, you have no idea how tough it is. <laughs> First of all, equipment breakdown. That's that's one thing. Uh, everything is so much slower. Mm. If you're moving, you know, camera, you have to move people, you have to move equipment. You don't necessarily have to move things very, very far, but moving in snow is very, you know, it's more time consuming. It's heavier. And when you have um, the cold on top of that, people do get exhausted, you know, faster. At the same time, though, also, if you know, I always liked filming in snow and cold weather because I don't know, there's something about a Norwegian mentality where you're not supposed to enjoy anything before you have struggled a little bit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That sits very, very much in our, you know, in our whole sort of mentality uh, from, you know, it's actually pretty religious back in the day. Mm. Um, So so I have a little bit of that when I'm working in, in cold and snow. When we're done for the day, it feels so good to be inside and, you know, in front of the fireplace or whatever, have a glass of red wine and, okay, we did it. But um, also you can, you know, we, we try to, because when it's so cold, you have to put the actors inside uh, between takes. And sometimes they would just plainly refuse to come out again because it was so cold. <laughs> but at some point also, I think, you know, especially Martin, Martin Starr, he realized that, okay, maybe I can use this somehow. Because, it, you know, I said after a take, okay, go inside, get warm. Uh, and he said, I just want to stay out there because, it, you know, my beard and my mustache is freezing and I have snot in my nose and that's yeah. also freezing. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. Let's do that. So he's just going to, you know, he was just staying out there. Just <laughs> so we could use it for it. something fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. So so tell me about, you know, ca- your cast. I mean, tell me about Martin and the rest. Um, was it always going to be, for example, an American family coming in or was that something that sort of took a little time to come to? It actually took a little time to get into. We had an earlier version of the script where it was a Norwegian family. Right. But that wasn't so funny because, I mean, yes, you had to do like a city family kind of thing that, you know, came to the countryside and the farm and all that. But the humor weren't the same. Uh, and, at, you know, at one point we just realized that if the barn elf has very specific rules like no changes to the farm, no bright modern lights, no loud sounds, what more fun it could be than an American family uh, yeah. <laughs> who have no idea about the history of the Barnard, nothing like that. They they have their own sort of ideas about what Scandinavians and, and Norwegians are. Uh, so we could play a lot of fun with that as well. And they are noisy as hell. Uh, so, so we felt that that was perfect. Um, and then, you know, obviously that added a lot of uh, sort of cultural differences uh, mm-hmm. type of comedy as well how they 
how Americans see Norwegians in this uh, particular instance, but it's Scandinavians generally, I think, and how we see them. Um, and um, it has played really well in the States as well. So it feels like they, I didn't realize, but they actually have this ability to laugh at themselves. I didn't really think they had, but I do. <laughs> I think something has changed the last five, six, seven years, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And yeah. how about Martin specifically? Because I feel like he's he's been in a lot of kind of pure comedy roles rather than this like kind of hybrid genre. It is a hybrid, but it, you know his role obviously is you know much more comedical than anything else here as well. Sort of playing this naive, well-meaning dad, very much in a tradition of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That was sort of well, I think that's pretty obvious to be honest. <laughs> Um, but I always felt like he had sort of this effortless way of doing comedy um, that it doesn't look like comedy, but uh, it's just there some, somehow. So I, I always wanted Martin for this role. And he also has a, a little bit of a relationship with Norway. He has a cousin who lives in Oslo. So <laughs> at the premiere, when, um, when Martin could not be there because of the uh, actor strike, his cousin cousin was still there so i took him up on stage and so he pretended he was martin for a whole premiere night <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> it's one way to get around the strike <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that was one way to do it now so he's been filming in norway before so uh, you know when he had a script and he thought okay this is something i really want to do and you know i can spend some time in norway i can be a bit in the mountains and yeah so um, it just everything just fell in place there and amrita who i'm more not really known for any comedic roles mm. at all. She's done a lot of uh, Game of Thrones, very, you know, obviously dramatic, serious um, stuff. But um, I knew that she's a really, you no, know, she's got funny bones like crazy. Um, so I knew that she could, you know, de- definitely come up with something that's uh, really, really good. And she's the type of actor when she feels comfortable in the space of comedy, she just, gives and gives and gives and gives so you actually have to make sure to tone her down a little bit and and she just gives so many ideas um so a lot of her stuff is actually not in the script um which is always welcoming for sure i was going to actually ask about that because i think on um on jackpot your your joe nesbo film you talked about a lot about you know having kind of worked with the cast and sort of worked out ad-libs and worked out, you know, funny bits to do. So was there, there was a little bit of that here as well. I think you always have to do when it comes to comedy, uh, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, maybe I did talk about something back in the day uh, on that film as well, but that, that's also sort of like, a, you know, a genre mix of, short, of, of sorts. And it's hard to find a balance beforehand. You don't really know how much comedy you want versus how much, you know, suspense and horror you want. Uh, so it's always better to shoot more comedy um, than you actually need because you can take, you know, you can just cut it out afterwards and try to, you know, find a balance that way. Um, in many ways, you know, comedy is cheap. Very often it's, it's verbal, so so um, it's cheaper to shoot. And then if you do have more of it, it's easy to take it down, scale it down for sure. And I think that's the way to, to find balance. That was also a Christmas movie, in a way, by the way, Jackpot. Yeah, it was. I was just, I'd forgotten because I saw it, what was it, 10 years or more now? But um, I was just rereading it about it this morning, yeah. Yeah, those guys, those characters, they were working on this Christmas tree factory. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I like All Christmas. Comes 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the questions I ask everyone who comes on this podcast is is about your favorite Christmas movies. Is there something that you, you know, have to watch every year, or or several things that you have to watch every year? Uh, I'm very, very, I'm very, very boring uh, in that sense. I do watch Home Alone uh, with my kids. We have to do that. That's the most boring answer in the world. I do like to watch Bad Santa just because it's yeah. a really, really funny, cool, uh, dark Christmas movie. And me and my kids, we, you know, in Norway, we um, on NRK, which is basically the Norwegian BBC, midday on Christmas Day, um, there is always these classic Disney cartoons. Right. It's, yes, we always have always have to watch that. Obviously, we do Christmas a little bit differently in Norway because mm-hmm. we uh, we celebrate on the twenty fourth. Very important. I was yeah. So that's actually another question I ask everybody, which is, you know, do you have a particular Christmas tradition that, that, you know, is, whether it's unique to your house or not, but certainly sort of maybe unusual compared to the sort of home alone basic standard of kind of <laughs> Christmas traditions. I go, we go skiing on the Christmas every day or, or every Christmas on, you know, on the 24th uh, because we go to, I have a, I'm fortunate enough to have a, you know, a cabin in the mountain Right, because I we do like snow, and and uh, global warming has made it very very uncertain with snow, you know, in the lower parts of Norway, along the coasts where I do live. Um, so we go up in the mountains, and we uh, from the morning up we go skiing, and we have to, you know, everything closes pretty early that day, like one or two, mm. and when we've done that, go back to the cabin, then it's Christmas. Amazing. So that's that's uh, that's that's sort of our little uh, tradition because then we have already put on the foods. You know, we come back. Oh, it smells Christmas. It smells lovely, and uh, we know what we're ready to. And again, you've suffered. You've been outside in the cold. You've exactly. done exercise. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> the expression in Norwegian is "ite før nita." It means struggle before you can enjoy. <laughs> Just like life itself, right? It's just like life. <laughs> so, uh, look, I wanted to ask, uh, speaking of struggle, speaking of, you know, pain, let's talk about the horror elements of the film. Um, because, it, you know, it's, a, it's a, I think, sometimes a difficult thing to balance horror and comedy, to balance the, the levels of violence that you want and the levels without kind of losing the heart of the film. And there is a lot of heart in this film as well, which we should we should talk about. But so, you know, was that like a very much a fine tuning process in the edit? Was that something that was, you know, worked on from the script stage? How did you how did you balance those? Yeah, it was really from script uh, stage because we always wanted this to be a family film mm-hmm. and call it an entry level horror film and right. we did not want to make a you know full-blown horror movie uh, at all we just felt it was way more interesting to do something that was also very very funny and a family film uh, was sort of what was dictating everything and you know i guess there is a lot of things to say about balance in terms of you know being a family film you know how young kids could watch this uh, and i think there is a difference between countries for sure mm-hmm. In you know the uh, rating wise in in Norway it's twelve. Um, I think it's the same in I think the UK. It's the same in the UK. I think so. Yeah. Yes, you can guess what it, it's in America. It's R. <laughs> so you have an R-rated family film. <laughs> and in Finland, it's actually they they have a different rating system. It's uh, sixteen, uh, which is crazy. But what we do see is that it works really really well with um, kids around. Mm-hmm. You know. 
10, 11, 12, something like that. And obviously also older kids, but they are the older ones and young, and young adults and adults alike. They're more for the comedy part, I think, than the horror, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, since we had to scale down on the horror and the shock and the blood, I think an older audience is there more for the comedy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, younger kids, they, they, they find it scary, but mm-hmm. not so scary that they, they also, also feel it's super funny and it's okay. It's scary enough. The thing is, I, I feel like is that, cause we were debating this a lot, uh, mm-hmm. both when we were writing and, and editing, because even in editing, we could scale down or we could, you know, make it even, you know, more bloody and, and, and scary. But I, we realized that kids these days, they watch so much dark, weird shit online that this is nothing. Uh, you always, you know, because you constantly worry that, okay, are we going overboard now? Or is this too much for, you know, somebody who's 12 years old? But we realize it's not. They, they're completely fine with it. And, they, you know, kids in that age, they also sort of, they tend to, look upwards and, and, and look for things that they are not really allowed to see. And I think, you know, exactly like we did when we were that age, at least that's what I did. Um, and that's what my, what my 13 year old kid is doing. He, he said, this is not scary, <laughs> but he thinks it's super cool. So that the, the balance was all about, okay, family film or not. We did make a sort of attempt to make it you know okay a real r-rated film not family friendly at all but we just didn't have the material for it because we had decided before and it's going to be a family film yeah. um yeah yeah i mean it's, it feels like it's in that kind of gremlin space it's still exactly scary and still gross things yeah. happen but not you know to the exclusion and that was else. regarded as a very very dark film when it came yeah. So and, and that was basically our uh, templates, uh, National Optimist Christmas Vacation and, and Gremlins. Could we sort of merge these two films into one was the thing that we were uh, trying to do. That's, that's a good model to have. Um, so yeah. tell me as well about the, there is like, as with Gremlins, actually, um, and, and with Christmas Vacation, there is also kind of the heartwarming angle. You've got, you've got the family relationships, you've got this slightly fragmented family they're not all happy let's say about being in Norway but you also have the relationship which I find fascinating between the younger son and the elf that it's not a simple monster story this is this is kind of a friendship gone wrong in some ways it is and it's about misunderstandings and basically again then sort of cultural differences and 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 really learning to understand that okay he's different uh, he's thinking maybe things a little bit different, but uh, there's absolutely some similarities. I was so interested in, you know, making and, and, and going much, much deeper in that relationship. And we had versions of the script where I, I think that became way too, let's call it, it was too Disney-fied in a way, those versions where they were hanging out together and playing video games. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but... <laughs> But we had to try to, because if you write in a certain direction and then maybe you go too far and then, but what you learn then is that, okay, this is wrong. That is wrong. So, so we, we try to keep it to a minimum, obviously, but it was very, very tempting to really develop that relationship much, much more. But I think at the same time, we kind of landed on something that felt like, you know, okay, this, we don't necessarily need more. And uh, they have an understanding of the 
each other and who the other person is and what is important to that other person despite you know all their differences uh, so they have this mutual respect um, and you know it's only kids who can do that adults adults starts wars you know we they are you know so it has to had to be through the eyes of a of a, of a kid yeah that makes sense but uh, he, d- he does make one mistake in uh, providing that oh, fish yeah. dish um, yes is this is this a tradition you hold with because um it, it it doesn't look good i'll be honest it doesn't look good it doesn't taste good it's called lutefisk and um it's an old preservation method and it smells insanely bad and it tastes even even worse um so this this is you know something that you know people in norway have been doing for hundreds of years um and there is part of christmas tradition all depending on where in the country you come from. So some people eat it on Christmas Eve, some people eat it at some point during Christmas or pre-Christmas. I My theory is that nobody likes it. It's just <laughs> cool to eat. I mean, the same thing as, you know, we also have this tradition of eating, you know, sheep's head, Ooh. which is uh, apparently the meat is really good, but you, you have basically a sheep's head on your plate with the eyes and, and everything, and it just... <laughs> start eating it and and yeah i'm sure it kind of you know looks cool in a way <laughs> but you know this lutefisk the fish thing so basically you know it's a piece of this stock fish preserved in some weird things that really smells for, you know it's been preserved for ages and you add a little bit of bacon or whatever and um, and i think people don't like it, but the bacon tastes better because the rest is so bad. <laughs> right. Okay. Again, it's it's you know enjoyment after a struggle. So. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. No, I I, I don't like it at all. It's it's horrible. It's really really bad. No, you're supposed to put on, and that's that's true. That's what we do, and um, we have done for many many years. We put out porridge in a barn. Mm-hmm. Um, and people do it obviously still to this day uh, even in the cities we just put it outside because traditionally there used to be barn elves in the cities as well oh right okay so there was always versions of the barn elf and the most important thing is to put out porridge um, on christmas eve and obviously if you do something else like this horrible fish thing then you know you're not doing it right it's and you're upsetting you. certain people yes Yes, yes. And and for details of that, people are going to have to watch the movie. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, sounds better safe than sorry. Well, um, I mean, I sh- I sh- I've t- kept you longer than I said I would, so I should let you go. But, you know, you have also worked on some of the biggest TV shows in the world. You've worked on things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Luke Cage and Banshee, which is a particular favourite of one of my colleagues, I have to say. Fear the Walking Dead as well. You've also been making your own films recently. What have you got planned for coming up? What's What's on your to-do list for 2024? Uh, we are waiting. I mean, we were waiting for such a long far time for the actor strike to mm-hmm. be over. Because uh, uh, um, we I was supposed to film this action thriller this fall, and then the strike happened, and obviously perfectly fine. But now it seems to be all just extreme chaos in Los Angeles, and after the strike is over, um, so we're just scrambling and trying to figure out when can we actually start. Uh, and that's also going to be yes, it's a totally different film. It's a, it's an action thriller, but it's all set in snow and in 
mountains and minus 25 degrees. I, I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I don't learn. <laughs> it's just making life hard for yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and could there be down the line, do you think, could there be a, a something in the barn too? I mean, will we see the elves in the big city, sort of Gremlins 2 style? That is the logic. I mean, because obviously also this whole, this film was very much an atheist drawback. Uh, we always wanted to make something that to show our kids, this is the kind of stuff that we watched when we were kids. Uh, and in that tradition, uh, the sequel, you know, they always go to America or to the big city. <laughs> Obviously, depending on how everything goes with, you know, with the film itself, the only thing we know, uh, should it happen, it has to be somewhere warmer. It needs to be you know, <laughs> California or something. <laughs> California. <laughs> yeah. Barn elves in California, I look forward to it. Well, listen... Thank you so much for joining us and um, and yeah, best of luck launching the film. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and have a great Christmas. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. All right, so Tom, first of all, Tell me what you thought of the film. I had a I had a really good time with it. I I had loads of fun. It's it's sort of the first half of it is ET and the second half of it is Gremlins, and I I really <laughs> vibed with that. I really vibed with that. Yeah, it, that's a very good way of putting it actually, because I wasn't necessarily expecting how warm it was going to be and how much uh, kind of of a connection there was between. I'm going to call him Barney. Right, barn elf number one, the native barn elf to this particular barn. We're going with Barney. Um, and he's he's kind of like, you know, he, he has a little real connection with the son of the family. It's not just a, a you know, a terrifying figure scuttling about in the shadows. He he does kind of form a little friendship there. He does. And it's, it is, it's really lovely to watch it happen. I think Barney is a really well-realised character. And I'm just going to vibe with the fact we're calling him Barney. We'll just go with it. Yeah, he's played, of course, by Kieran Shah, which I should mention. And then Lucas is the little boy played by Taunus Bunner, which is a great name. Bunner. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think Lucas is great. I love the way that Lucas genuinely wants to be friends with the with the barn elf. Like, it's, it's not even necessarily that he's afraid. He just loves the idea of having a little friend. I guess, you know, having moved to, to Norway and his dad trying so hard to make Norway happen for the family. Uh, oh, the hats, the, the hats. hats. I'm obsessed with the hats. We have to talk about the hats because as we first meet this family, they are driving to the farmhouse that they have inherited in rural Norway. They are an American family, um, a slightly blended family. A stepmother has, has recently joined them and um, and they are all wearing these Norway bobble hats. I don't even, I mean, they presumably first thing off the plane at the airport, right? They must have just gone and deliberately bought these hats. That's a, that's yeah. a choice. 
Absolutely. It's, it's obviously the first thing the dad did. I, the thing I love about it is that no one in Norway would even want them to wear these hats. There's no way anyone... These these hats are sold at the airport and nowhere else. <laughs> nowhere else, yeah. I, I mean, you know, apologies if we have Norwegian listeners out there who are like, I'm wearing one right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I feel like that they certainly give the air, let us say, of hats that yes. are sold only at the airport, nowhere else in the country, and are not ever expected to be worn. You know, I feel no. like this is one of those things you buy at the airport, you bring back going, oh, hey, I brought you something from Oslo. And they go, oh, hey, great. And they you know, throw them in a drawer and, and don't wear them unless it's a particularly cold winter. Yes, it, it, it is very much my brother went to Norway and all I got was this lousy bobble hat, isn't it? <laughs> but now I kind of want one, like, ironically. I think that the moment this film completely won me over was in that scene where they're first driving in and the dad just stops and says, is that a moose on a sign? And he's just so, like, in love with the fact as a small silhouetted picture of a moose. I mean, I, I kind of get that because I went through, I drove through New England once on a holiday and I was driving back. I was in New Hampshire. I was driving back to my Airbnb from, um, from a, a, I think I'd actually gone to the movies. Shocking. I know, but I'd gone to the movies one night. I was driving <laughs> really back to my- Really making the most of your traveling. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, baby. Um, I was driving back to my Airbnb and look, I didn't see it clearly, but something ran across the road ahead of me. And really only its legs were in my, you know, the the light of my headlamps on my car. I I feel like it was too big to be a deer. Mm. And I'm still talking about it now, like six or (laughs) seven years later, because I'm like, I think I saw a moose, kind of. You saw the legs of a moose. I think I saw the legs of a moose in the light (laughs) of my car headlamps. And thank God it was that far away, because if, if your car hits a moose, that's really bad news for everybody, like just by the by. Um, so I really respect Martin Starr's character. That's Bill. That's the head of the family, paterfamilias, um, for stopping for the moose sign, because I would 100% take a picture of that sign. And then I would get really excited when they instantly see a moose. Oh my God. I don't think I'd have the the willingness to try and befriend the wild moose. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like I'm not an expert on zoology, but I feel like that is not something you do lightly. And I think you definitely don't walk up to a, what's clearly a moose baby, a moose calf, a moose calf, let's say. Um, that that seems fraught. Although I did our, our, see- our, our Norwegian listener in the hat is furious at moose calf. They're not sure. They're not sure. <laughs> moose cub seems wrong. Moose chick? It, it must be calf. It must be. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that to me felt, felt wonderfully done. I also learned from from my interview with Magnus that you people will have heard there that Martin Starr actually does have Norwegian family members. He has oh, really? he has cousins from Norway who apparently stood in for him at the premiere in Norway during the actors strike um and, uh, and were able to represent the family. So that's rather nice. But um but yeah, this is not so far from possible that he could have um he could have inherited a farm in rural Norway. Which is nice. That is that is also, of course, our opportunity to meet the nonchalant Norwegian cop, oh, who my is God. my favourite character in the whole film. <laughs> she is absolutely fantastic. Yes, so just so laid back, so calm, so not what they expect a police person to be coming from the US and being used to all of these um, incredibly uh, well armed cops. So um, yeah, I just loved her. She was fantastic. I think I think, and I'm, I, I apologise. I'm. I don't have pictures for everyone, so I'm kind of slightly figuring things out. Is that Henriette Steenstrup, I think? Fantastic performance anyway. She's um, 
she's the kind of calm, easygoing balance to this rather highly strung family. Let's let's yeah, talk about great, the family dynamics. There's, there's well. the great running gag about how it, oh, this is Norway. We don't just run around shooting people in the face. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is pretty much exactly what I imagine America to be, having never been. <laughs> I mean, I personally have not been shot in the face in America, so I, you know, I feel like it's a little exaggerated. But certainly, the the police are much more heavily armed there than they are in most of Europe. I think that's not an unreasonable position to to take or something to say. So yeah, that that was quite a fun kind of running gag in the film. So yeah, let's talk about the family dynamic though, because I thought this was a really interesting interesting kind of wrinkle, interesting aspect of the story is that you do have kind of a little bit of tension in this family. It's not sort of, they're not personality free carbon cutouts who just turn up and get terrorized by, you know, a short dude in a tall hat. So you have Carol, who's played by Amrita Acharya, who is the essentially stepmother of the two kids, Lucas, we've mentioned, and Nora played by Zoe Winther Hansen. And she's kind of trying to, you know, make her place in the family, win them over. It kind of feels like Bill isn't always backing her up when she tries to discipline the kids, which must be a very difficult position to be in. But there's clearly love there. There's clearly a lot of affection. She's really trying her best. I thought it was a really lovely kind of little wrinkle to the story. Yeah, I think it is. And I think I think Bill is quite relatable as that's that dad who's trying so hard to be the fun dad and the way he just wilts at any sort of conflict with his kids. Yeah. Um, which which sort of forces Carol into being the evil stepmom, and she really doesn't want to be. Yeah, that's entirely fair, and I think it is. It is. I mean, it's a dynamic that you see a lot in life, where you know there are there's a certain kind of one hesitates to use the term man child, but for want of a better phrase, man children. Who he, he does run around in a bobble hat for the whole film, so I think you think it's fair. <laughs> But yeah, so they, they just, they want to be everybody's best friend. They don't want to kind of take responsibility for things. And and to an extent, it's a positive thing. They don't want to maybe be the the very kind of authoritarian figures that they might have grown up with, you know. But um, but it, it also does leave this vacuum in a family that sometimes the women are sort of unfairly pushed into filling, which can be which can be problem- problematic. Um, and yeah, I thought- I, so- I, think, um, I think he's very aware as well that he's just relocated his entire family to Norway. And so he wants to cut them a little slack. I think that's true. But, you know, again, you have to kind of bring them with you. And, and he doesn't seem to be quite selling them successfully. No. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I think you, you would probably in his position make a real effort to have, for example, good internet in the house so your yes. daughter could get hold of her friends easily and kind of keep a link to to back home. And he doesn't, you know, that kind of thing he could have taken care of and that would have helped, you know? Um, So yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bit of um, over-enthusiasm on his part, but he's a great character and Martin Starr is so funny. Yeah. I think all of the central cast members are, are, are really funny. Nora gets some really cutting lines that I think work really well. And I think she does a lot of good stuff with the sort of role that like we have seen a million times, the like teenage girl who's been relocated and he's like, Oh, I just want to, talk to my friends and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think she I think she really gives it gives it an extra flavor which I liked. Yeah, she does because it's not just no, you ruined my life. It is, you know, she kind of has a point of view on it. And she's right. And she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure he's thought all of this through at all, no. if I'm honest. Oh, bless him. But let's talk about the barn elf then because um, yes. you know, once they are settled in, it quickly becomes apparent that there is someone else on the premises. And this was, I mean, this movie did surprise me because you start off with a pretty brutal kill 
frankly, mm. of the the sort of great uncle or whatever who who originally owned the farm. Um, and then there's this very long period, as you said, of almost E.T. like, you know, formation of friendship. And then we do get back to quite a lot of brutality and mayhem. It's it's the tone of this film is is really interesting. Yeah, I think at one point the word I wrote was confounding. That's what the tone was. <laughs> I really wasn't sure where I was tonally, um, but I kind of found that found that thrilling in some ways. I think the brutality is really oddly pitched as well. I don't know what the certificate for this is in the US, but at times I was like, oh, this is kind of, they're clearly rowing back for a PG-13. And then at times I was like, oh no, there's bits of body everywhere. This is, <laughs> like there's a scene with a snowplow, which does not pull any punches. <laughs> really doesn't, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty horrifying. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of people getting essentially churned up is not my favourite. You know, that's that's quite disturbing to me. Also, the scene with the icicle, that's going to make yes. me scared to walk near any buildings anytime it snows in future. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the deaths when they come are really quite big and really quite gnarly and don't happen necessarily to bad people. No. You know, I mean, bad news for your favourite cop. I know. Well, very bad news. Very bad news. She just wanted to go and watch Love Actually. And who can blame her? Well, a lot of people actually. And you can listen to one of, uh, I think it was last year's episodes to uh, to learn more about the, the yeah, Love Actually controversy. That's, that's a can of worms. <laughs> that's, a, that's a can of worms everywhere. But I mean, it's, it's interesting because like Magnus Martens has done like big TV in the States. Like, so he worked on... Uh, Banshee, which is uh, one of my colleague James Dyer's favourite shows, Fear the Walking Dead, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Luke Cage, things like that. You know, so he clearly knows how to do tone. And listening to that interview with him, he he clearly has deliberately gone for, on one hand, a very kind of family-focused, warm-hearted film. And on the other hand, yeah, mayhem, absolute bloody mayhem. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And I think it's, int- I think the, the sort of, as much as it's a blended family, it's also quite a blended film in that it has the Norwegian sensibility and the American sensibility. Mm. So you think of like, you know, films like Rare Exports, Christmas films that are much darker. And then that's combined with the sort of more knockabout American stuff, the Gremlins influence. And it's because I, I went into this, I hadn't, I hadn't looked up a lot about it beforehand and I thought it was a straight Norwegian movie. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, well, I was quite surprised when Martin Starr turned up looking like Keanu if he was a librarian and it started doing all of the American stuff. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting sensibility to have kind of brought those two things together um, in sort of bloody fashion. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the um, I, I I had the same as you. I hadn't actually done any reading up about the film. I was just excited on the basis of barn elves and yes. <laughs> Christmas horror. And I'm like, sold, sign me up, bring me to the screening. Um, and then exactly the same thing. Wait, Martin Starr's in this? Wait, this is American yeah. people? I don't have to read subtitles? Oh, okay. Um, and I love Rare Exports. If anybody out there hasn't mm. seen it, Finnish film with basically uh, Kaiju Santa. Kinda. It's a monster Santa anyway, and lots of monstrous Santa acolytes, I guess. Yeah, if you, uh, think, if f- you think these elves are bad. <laughs> oh, seriously, uh, they're it's so much more deeply disturbing. Fantastic, fantastic film. But that is like, it has funny moments, but it is much more, I think, towards the gore, towards the horror end of the spectrum. Um, you have almost, it's like, it reminds me of Lost Boys. You have a very funny hero in that film, but then it is a straight horror otherwise around him. This one though, it really does go back and forth because Barney, our central elf, isn't entirely a monster. And there is that really interesting kind of switch 
and switch back of his character. And that to me was, I think, where the film sort of screeches and does a handbrake turn in a different direction. Yeah, he gets turned by a bad Christmas Eve meal, which is very relatable. Very relatable. I mean, that that <laughs> that that fish thing that he has served on Christmas Eve <laughs> is monstrous looking. So I, yeah. I do respect his his opinion on that. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. And when yeah, what he expected was you know porridge with a bit of butter and cinnamon, and he got yeah the the most grotesque fish dish I've ever seen in my life. It, 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 again, a real thing that they have in Norway. But yeah, so basically the way to keep your barn elves happy, if any of you happen to be living in Norway, planning to move to Norway, very important. And indeed own a barn. Or And indeed own a barn. Uh, and apparently they exist in, in you know the cities as well. It's not just in rural areas. Uh, so you want to keep it quiet. You want to keep it dark. You don't want to change the barn too much. And for example, turn it into an Airbnb as the people plan to in this case. Definitely don't do that. (laughs) Definitely don't do that. That's not going to go down well. Um, But then you also want to basically feed them porridge every Christmas Eve. And of course, Christmas Eve, very, very big night in Scandinavia, Um, bigger really than Christmas Day for the most part. So they will be expecting a nice meal and not even a traditional Norwegian dish of grotesque looking fish. That's Top it. tips there's there. Only, there's only one thing they want and it is <laughs> porridge, apparently. Porridge. I mean, I have notes on that, if I'm honest. <laughs> you know, do better, guys. Ask for more. Expect more of life than porridge. <laughs> I know yeah, it's very it healthy. Sort of, the, the, the setup in some ways reminded me of, do you remember that film? Was it this year? Unwelcome. Yes. With, yes. That was so, the Irish folklore. This is the Irish folklore and it's uh, basically sort of little people in Ireland and they, in that case, they wanted meat every day and you had to leave out a little bit of meat every day and then they wouldn't come and, for example, steal your child and leave a changeling in its place. Uh, You know, it's going to give you a big butcher's bill. It's going to be a bit difficult, but it's worth keeping an eye on, I think, if you have any children in the house. Uh, So, yeah, it does feel a little bit like that. That, of course, also um, was a bit like The Hallow, another Irish folk horror a few years ago basically just don't mess with folklore is what i'm getting yeah if, if you move into a house and a, a, a local tells you hey just leave a small amount of uncooked meat in the just do it just do it you know just get yourself used to buying a little bit extra and yeah that's it and, and, and you know up until christmas eve all barney wanted was like a cookie a day and it means you get to bake cookies which is you know oh. <laughs> And now there, Barney was onto a good racket. The cookies was, was, a smart, yes. was a smart thing. Yeah, that also applies to me. If you feed me a cookie a day, I won't, you know, attack you. You can even do it after midnight when we're talking about yes, gremlins. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, let, let's talk about the gremlins comparison a little bit because I always think it's, a, it's an interesting one. It, it, it is a film that is very warm, very mainstream, very funny, and also has some absolutely horrifying scenes in it. Uh, yes. It, you know, it's not a million miles off this. Yeah, I th- there's a bit halfway through where a little Lucas actually pins on a, the fridge, like, the barn elf rules. And I was like, oh, no, we're, we're not hiding our comparisons under a bushel here. This is, we are doing Gremlins. Yeah, pretty much. And everyone, of course, ignores those rules as they do in Gremlins. Well, you wouldn't have a movie otherwise. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you'd have a nicer Christmas and you'd have fewer broken mirrors in your house. And Yeah, you know. maybe it just would have gone full E.T. Maybe Barney would have been, like, on a little bike, like... <laughs> Flying about the forest. The yeah, exactly. 
That would have been nice. What did you think of, of the portrayal of Norway in this? Did it make you want to go on holiday there? Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's this whole, there's like a running gag where when they, the, the, one of the things Martin Starr says is like, oh, the Norwegians are the happiest people on earth. And then they get to this small town and they are, they are not happy people. Um, they don't seem to be enjoying Christmas as much as I would, but maybe it's just because they're surrounded by, you know, try-hard Americans in questionable hats. <laughs> yeah, the, the Americans sort of walking into the local cafe and instantly announcing themselves. I, I was curling up and dying inside on yes, their behalf. very much so. Very yeah. much so. It's like whenever you go to like a town or a city you've never been to before and you walk into like a local pub and you realise it's a local pub. <laughs> and you are not welcome there. No and one you are not no, there. No. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really have that as a non-drinker. Local coffee mm. shops tend to be a bit more friendly, but yeah. A bit less of a tone of aggression. A bit less of an undercurrent of violence, exactly. Yes, I think so. I think so. But I heard that if you give if you give the patrons of those bars a cookie each, ah. then you'll be okay. <laughs> See, cookies solve all problems. I feel like we're on to something with this. I really do. Yeah. Um so yeah, so what did you think of the the actual mayhem when it all goes to pot at the end and and yeah, everything? I think it, it's really good fun. I I wasn't expecting the uh, the, the the scale, and I, I thought it might just be Barney all alone. Um, but no, I was really I had a lot of fun with it. I do wonder what happened to the rule about them not liking lights and noises <laughs> when they were sort of turning the the house into a rave. Yeah, and turning the TV on and like yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, maybe it doesn't apply when they drink. That's probably true of a lot of oh, humans maybe. as at well. Because at one point, Lucas was holding them off with a single lamp. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then, yeah, eventually, maybe, like you say, maybe it's the alcohol. Maybe that's what does it. But no, I had a lot of fun. I think all the stuff of them, like drinking and partying is good fun. And I like what the film does very quickly is it establishes a sort of social hierarchy for the barn elves, which I thought was quite good fun. Yeah, and Barney is not top of the heap at all. No, he's not. No. Yeah, so he... It he... sort of makes you wonder, are they all do they all live in local barns and they sort of meet together or... It's very. I was a little unclear on that because you know they also seem to have their sort of village in the woods. So yes. there's clearly maybe they live in the barn. Maybe that's their workplace, and then they commute to their village. Maybe you know through those underground tunnels. It's that's a little unclear, but you know I'm not. It's mythology, man. We don't have to totally understand yeah. it. I guess it's a pretty cool job. You just have to sit in a barn all day, and then someone brings you a biscuit. That's like. <laughs> I've actually put it in an application. I'm, I'm hoping to yeah. go back any day now. You know, I think I think I'd be good at and it. And if they don't bring you a biscuit, you murder them. <laughs> well, okay, murder seems a little bit much, but I, I feel like I'd be really good at all the other bits of the job. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, fingers crossed, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's one of those, you apply anyway, and if you don't get it, you don't get it. But <laughs> you know, it was worth an attempt. Maybe, maybe the murder bit's just like a desirable skill it's not a prerequisite it's not a prerequisite somebody else can do it for you if needs be i was a bit worried and freaked out when they abducted the two women because i thought that might go in a really dark direction for a minute and it didn't feel like it was going to at that point in the film you know but at the same time there was a kind of icky undercurrent to that that really did kind of get under my skin for a minute so i was very glad that they didn't belabor that too much and that pretty soon they're kind of back all together and, and sort of fighting their way back to the house, so back to the doubtful safety of the house. But it was it was something of a relief at that point. Yeah, I think it's one of the... When the tone of a film is so strange, you sometimes don't know how far it's going to push yeah. it. And, and it would have like taken it to a level of nasty, which it, it hadn't gone to and didn't go to. 
Um, but yeah, I can see how like, you know, when the tone is so strange and you are being surprised so consistently, you don't know how far it's going to go, especially if you've seen something like Rare Exports and exactly. you, you know where the, the theoretical level is. And the theoretical level is pretty dark, guys. You know? Yeah, or exactly. Even some of the Trolls movies, you know, there, there's some really mm, gnarly yeah. stuff here. Um, yeah, so so well done for not going that way and, and kind of keeping it uneven of tone, certainly, and, and unpredictable of tone, but not completely mad of tone. Yes. I think it's fair to say. What was your overall takeaway? Will you be recommending this? Will this go into the rotation of your Christmas movies, do you think? Yeah, my wife actually this morning, because I you know, I was coming to record this and she said, Oh, you know, did you did you actually like the film? And I said, Yeah, I could see myself watching it again. And I feel like with a Christmas film more than anything, that's the level, isn't it? You have to be able to see yourself watching it again in it, you know. If someone if you've got some friends over for Christmas one year and they're like, Oh, should we put a film on? If you can go, oh, actually, I've got one you might not have seen. Mm -hmm. Let's give it a go. And I think that is where this one sits. I think I'd quite happily recommend this to people. Yeah. Um, Especially if they like Gremlins and things like that. I feel like it is a really good one, actually, to watch with friends, to watch with a bunch of people. And especially people who haven't seen it before, because there there are going to be surprises. There are going to be some major shifts of tone and they yeah. aren't going to know where they stand, which is quite a fun thing as a group as well to watch together. So, um, so yeah, that that will be, I think that will be a, a regular for parties for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I always ask people this, and I think I've asked you before, and I'm 100% sure I know your answer, but what's your go-to Christmas film that you have to watch every year? Well, I have a few, but the one I like to talk about the most is Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, yeah. you, you know, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's it's zombies, it's high school, it's a musical, and it's set at Christmas. So it's it's got literally everything you could possibly want. And tonally, it's a lot of fun. It's very splattery. It's very silly. The songs are great. It's just joyful. It is. It's the like I think it's the ultimate Christmas movie as long as there aren't <laughs> any kids around. <laughs> the ultimate Christmas zombie movie. The yes. ultimate Christmas zombie movie musical. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's it's a crowded field. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty tough one. And uh, and uh, how about you as well? Do you have any Christmas traditions that you have to do every year or it's not Christmas that might be, you know, unusual, different from the norm, uh, something that makes your Christmas yours? Oh, interesting. Um, our, our Christmas breakfast every year is an mm. enormous plate of pigs in blankets. Oh my god! That it oh. goes in the middle of the it goes in the middle of the room while we're opening presents. First thing. Oh, you have this thing figured out. The prospect of not having that fills me with dread. So that's it. Every Christmas, a glass of Buck's Fizz and a plate of pigs in blankets. First thing. Well, I'm not a nutritionist, but that sounds like <laughs> the greatest breakfast in human history. It, it yeah. definitely beats the 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 fish thing in this film. It it. Beats, I would say, the porridge. I feel like if you gave the barn elf that, you wouldn't have any problems for like a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, that that barn elf would be happy. He'd Certainly be... this barn elf is happy. <laughs> I should hope so too. My God, that is a fantastic idea. Well, look, I, I think we have to wrap this up because I am off to make myself a plate of pigs and blankets and just <laughs> scoff them all in front of the TV. Thanks so much for joining me, Tom. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's always good fun to talk about Christmas. Happy Christmas. Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. 
This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production.